Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week two, day three of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 4, 23 through 37. Welcome back to the 10 Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I want to encourage you to read the book of Acts once a week, every single week while we're going through this study. If you do that, you'll read it 10 times in the 10 weeks, and God's word will get in your mind and your heart like never before. It will radically transform the way you encounter scripture. It's where the namesake of the 10 Week Bible Study comes from. It's not that we do it in 10 weeks, but that I want you reading it 10 times in 10 weeks. It really will transform your life in God's word and your life in God. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to encounter you through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 4, starting in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant Jesus. I want to pause right there. There's several things going on here. <clears throat> the they're getting up and they're quoting this passage from the Psalms and they're understanding, holy cow, this is this is a big deal. This is exactly what we're experiencing. These these leaders, these these kings, these rulers, they're actually against you, God. They're actually warring against you. And and you know, the apostles here, they're kind of the pawns caught in the middle of this, this game of chess between God, who's going to win, and these rulers of the earth, right? You know, Solomon says, said to God, heaven is your throne and earth is your footstool, right? God's throne is in heaven. We think of the, thr- the kingdoms of the earth and the thrones of the earth. And Solomon says that, you know, <laughs> All of them are essentially your footstool, God. Even the highest and most lofty place is still just your footstool. And he was understanding his, his rightful place, even though he was a powerful, wealthy ruler. But it is so common for rulers to war against anything that confronts their authority, confronts their supremacy. You see this all the time with politicians and, and people, especially people who've been there for a long time, people who've tasted and seen how nice a life it is to be a, a career politician. You see the arrogance, you see the hubris, you see the the tendency to war against the very things of God. <clears throat> there is something about it that is is very, very difficult for people to stay humble and stay in charge. It's, it's almost impossible. And so they are threatening God's people on account of Jesus. 
it's not because they don't, they just don't like the disciples. It's because they don't like Jesus. They don't want anyone else's authority over theirs. And Jesus is always going to be authority over everyone. Jesus at his core, at the core of who he is, he represents a threat to every single leader on planet earth, unless they are humble enough to bow their knee to him. He is everyone's master, no matter how high and lofty a leader you are, no matter how despotic a dictator you are, Jesus is above you. And so he is a a very real threat, a very real threat, but there is no winning. There is no winning. There is only losing or humility. You don't beat Jesus. (laughs) The nations don't rage against Jesus and win. Now they may win, against some of his followers from time to time, as the Lord allows. But you don't win against Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Savior and Lord. There's no way around this. There's no way around this. So they pray, and they're asking specifically, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. But they have a reason for that. I want to pull that back up here on screen for those of you watching. It says right here at the very top, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And essentially they're saying, by stretching out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. They're saying, we need boldness. They were just bold before the Sanhedrin. They were just incredibly bold. But Part of the reason, they understood the reason for their boldness is because the Lord's been doing miracles, signs and wonders. The reason they can be so bold for the Sanhedrin that day is they just healed a guy who'd been lame. He was over 40, right? I mean, like, this is a huge deal. And these kind of miracles, they bolster your faith like crazy. When you see the Lord do impossible things, it gives you a tremendous amount of faith and a tremendous amount of boldness. It's really our boldness to speak forth that causes people to come to the Lord. And the disciples, the apostles here, Peter, James, John, these guys, they're praying and they are understanding that they can't be as bold as they need to be. People that walked with Jesus, they understand that they cannot be as bold as they need to be in preaching the gospel unless the Lord breaks out in power, healing, signs and wonders, things like that saying, Lord, give us those things, not just so we can have a cool newsletter or think, wow, isn't this really neat what the Lord is doing amongst our midst? No, it's so that we will be bold, so that we will loose our tongue and speak the gospel to people who desperately need it. That's the point behind the prayer. Let's verse 31, God answers. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's huge, right? So they've just prayed for boldness. They've asked the Lord to to do these signs and wonders. And he he sends an earthquake. Now, an earthquake is one of those things you can't control. People can't control. Now, I understand that with like disposal wells and things like that for fracking all across the United States, across the world for natural gas, we've, we've started to kind of cause mild earthquakes, so you can say that they are kind of caused by humans, 
but I, I still don't even think with those that no one can predict when they're going to happen, what magnitude. They're all relatively small, but like big earthquakes, right? No one can predict when they're going to happen. And so this is a sign. The Lord has given them a sign. I am going to give you signs and wonders. I am going to give you miracles. And I do want you to be bold. And so this, this earthquake happens right as soon as they pray this. The whole place is shaken. And they are filled with boldness. They realize that this is the Lord answering them. This is the Lord saying, yes, I love this prayer. This is one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts because they are praying not so they can have cool signs and wonders things for whatever ulterior motives they're saying. We need boldness and we know we will get boldness if you do these things. I know in my life personally, the Lord has given me a, a tremendous amount of boldness to stand firm for things that I know are true and real in him because the Lord has come through in supernatural ways in my life, ways that I can point to, ways that are undeniable to me. They give me incredible boldness. They give me incredible staying power, if you will, at times. Because I know he's real and I know he's there because he's come through. He's done these kinds of things in my life. It really does change you, but you, you need to a little bit more all the time. It's, it's something that you can't get enough of. And the more you have, the more the Lord does in your life, the more boldness you get, the braver you get. And we all need that. The disciples understood that very clearly. Verse 32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one would, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Let's pause right there. We saw in chapter uh, 2 that there was this... Christian communism going on where people are willingly giving of their stuff to provide for everyone else. And what Luke is telling us here is that has grown so much that there, there's, there's nobody in need anymore. There's nobody in need. I mean, they're still giving to people who have need, but they're, they're basically, they are sharing so amazingly well that they have ended poverty or ended homelessness, or they've ended whatever it is. Nobody's in need anymore. Everything has what they need because they are selling their stuff and distributing. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that they're living on a, in a commune. They're not. They still have their own houses. They, they still are working jobs. They're going to work. They still own things. It's not saying that they're selling everything they have. They're saying they're, they're selling things that they had. Right? It doesn't even say in our next thing, it's not going to say that Barnabas sold everything he had and gave it away. He's going to sell some of his stuff. People are selling the things that they have to give away to people who have need, not just doing giving away everything. So we need to understand that it's not like this is an end of private property. That's what Marxism is or communism that we would think of in the 20th and 21st century is that no one gets to own anything. That's not what's, that's not what's going on here. They're willingly selling their stuff and giving the money away 
but they're not being forced to sell everything and they're not selling everything. Maybe some of them did. I'm sure some of these people, they sold everything they had and they just gave it all away. And now they're all kind of, you know, living together in this. But again, they're not in a commune. It never, it never gives us that, um, that view of what's going on. In fact, as we read through Acts, we know that they're meeting in different people's houses. So they still have their own houses, um, everything about this is so very different from what we would perceive of as communism, but that in some form or fashion is what it is. They are willingly selling and giving to those that don't have and who are in need. And one person in particular that's highlighted here is in verse 36. Let's read that. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So we see here that they've given him a nickname, right? Joseph is his name. He's from the island of Cyprus, which is going to be an interesting tidbit in in several chapters. He brings the money to their feet. He lays it at their feet. They like Barnabas, something about him. They give him the nickname Son of Encouragement, right? That's not his name, but they give him that name, that nickname, And so everybody sees, right? Everybody in the community here of 5,000 plus, whatever, they see that the apostles favor Barnabas and that they probably really like the fact that Barnabas is selling things and bringing the money to their feet and giving it as an offering. Maybe it's that his was the most expensive uh, property that was sold up to this point or Maybe it's just that they really just favored him. I don't know what it is, but this is an important detail leading into the beginning of chapter five. And we have to keep in mind that the chapters and verses, they didn't exist when this was written. So this story just continues into the next chapter. It's all the same narrative, all the same story. And so we're going to see that this thing right here, that Barnabas, we're going to call him Barnabas for the rest of the time, because that's the name he goes by from here on out. Um, There's a couple of people, husband and wife in particular, they're taking note of this and seeing the general favor that Barnabas gets from selling stuff and then giving it away to those that have need. If you're reading ahead, if you're doing the the reading once a week for these 10 weeks, you already know who we're talking about. We're talking about Ananias and Sapphira. We're going to see him at the beginning of the next chapter. Um, But they're, they're seeing this and they're like, oh... I see. This is how we get ahead, right? They're playing the political game here again. They want they want notoriety. They want they want people to take notice of them. And this is a bad bad game to play. This is the same game that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Jewish leaders. That's what they did, and Jesus just berates them for it. He blasts them for it. And we're going to see that there's going to be some people that are going to start to play that game here. But God's going to deal with it pretty swiftly. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.